In the following live session recording, Alan Rotten, adult ministry specialist with LifeWay Christian Resources, talks about how to build an adult class team of leaders. The goals for Sunday School are to be responsible to reach, teach, minister, and fellowship with people. The listener will learn responsibilities that others in your class need to shoulder so the teacher can lead the group in an effective Bible study. Let's join Alan now. What I want us to do is look at some of the things that we can do to help build up a team of leaders. This is also, as I'm building leaders in my class, I'm building leaders for the church. Now, you'll have a handout, which is actually the job descriptions of my Sunday school class. I wrote these first for the Sunday school class, and then I went ahead and branded it for LifeWay, and I'll use it there. But we'll talk about this in a minute. The other book that you have, the Saddle Up book, is the latest leader development book that we produced at LifeWay. These are available, I mean, I think they, they sell for like $2, which basically just recoups the cost of the printing of the book. Uh, you can find them at lifeway.com forward slash uh, training resources. There are, is a, a, a presentation, training, PowerPoint, teaching procedures and that sort of thing to train leaders in your church. So part of how to build a team of leaders is to put into your hands a resource that you can use to train Sunday school leaders in your church, including having access to a PowerPoint and teaching procedures on how you teach the book. So you can just go to that website, lifeway.com forward slash training resources, and you can download it for free. You can download electronic copies of this book for free and email that to every leader in your church, every teacher in your church from preschool to adult. So, but let's drill down and see what we're talking about when we talk about building a team of leaders. So, start thinking about your class, your Sunday school class. What is it about your Sunday school class that makes your heart sing? What is it that you just get real excited about when you think about your class? What would you say? I'm just saying this week already, and I'm just, uh, my heart feels good when I see uh, attendance up in Sunday school. Okay. See, more people engaged in Bible study and fellowship and community at your church. Okay? Excellent. The diversity in mind. Okay. Because I have, several years ago, there was no one, well, there were people that were not attending Sunday school. They dropped out for whatever reason it may be. So I said, man, there's still a rose. We need to reach out to them. So I started reaching out to them, started a new class, and we just, hey, would you like to come be a part of this class? And they started coming. So we have a diverse, young, old, medium, in our class, and so and it's cool. We got 15 people in there right now. Yeah. Most of that purpose of was to get those that have dropped out for whatever reason to come back. And so we did. Right. We're getting ready to start a, a uh, pastor's class. Okay. I'm going to leave that, and it's that same thing is to 
people that are falling out or just people attending church instead of the worship service instead of Bible study, reaching yes. out and engaging them. Yeah, trying to get people that come into worship only, getting them to the next level or to step two, which is in, to engage in a small group Bible study. Yeah, it, it's amazing. If you start it, they will come. I just started uh, Empty Nesters group back at Easter. Came out of parents of college age adult class, which about four years earlier came out of parents of teenagers class that came out of parents of children's class that came out of a 30-something-year-old class. So, um, so at our church, we had this age group track, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s and that sort of thing all the way up. And then our minister of education asked me to come out and to start the parents of children's class. And it was amazing, after about three years, some members of the class, once their, their oldest child moved into middle school, was saying, hey, is there any way we could start a class for parents of, you know, for middle school or for high schoolers. And I thought, I have died and gone to heaven when actually lay people are saying, can we start a new Sunday school class? But it's like they didn't want to be in a parents of children when their kids are now going into high school. And so we started the parents of teenagers class. That lasted about four years. And then we started the parents of college age adults. And you say, people say all the time, and I've experienced that as a minister of education, it's difficult to get adults to promote. You just end up changing the age on the door instead of it being co-ed 30 to 35 now it's co-ed 32 to 37 you know you just sort of keep moving the the age up same people and um, but now I had when I was teaching parents of college age adults had people with an 11th grader wanting to come into my class and it was just funny that they wanted to promote on up and so what we experienced, so that one turned into five classes of college-age adults, and then they transitioned, changed their name, same group, but just they decided to take on a different name. And, uh, and so, but what we found is some of those, once their children graduated college, they felt like they don't fit there anymore but they didn't fit in somewhere else, so they dropped out. So I felt compelled to start the Empty Nesters, and sure enough, now we've reclaimed some people who had dropped out of the ongoing Bible study, dropped out of Sunday school. And so I'm already thinking in about three years, what's the next group? What comes after Empty Nesters? Which Empty Nesters is a little more open-ended. Um, but is there a, you know, pre-retirement or something? I don't know. We'll see in about three years. We'll see if the class reaches the size that, you know, because we've got, we've got group dynamics we have to factor in, and once it exceeds a certain size, we may need to start another one and come up with another one to move on. You'll need to go to the move homes. Those that have come back home. <laughs> well, we're facing that in empty nesters of having, yeah. like in the case of several of us, their parents have moved in. My mother lives with us. Um, or the grown kids are moving back. Yeah, we're facing that in the empty nesters. And there's still one or two of them. They've had a child, gra- uh, 
gone through college, but they still have another child or two in college, so they're sort of Holdover. on the fence, kind of holdovers. We don't have that issue. We just have the issue of folks coming to separate school, period. I mean, uh, we don't have empty nesters or any of that. You're probably talking about a huge church. We're dealing with a small country church, mm -hmm. about probably 45 in Sunday school. And, and we're just literally dealing with how do we adjust to the culture in order to attract we don't, we're, we're, we have, there's no way we can divide between an empty nester or, right. you, know, you know what I'm saying? Oh yes, so exactly. Come. So, and so we what just you, want folks to come and it's like, okay, now what new ideas have we, is there now that can deal with folks to come? Because okay. we deal with a lot of hunters, a lot of, a lot of folks that, that will put, that would put fishing over, over Sunday school and, you know, that's what we deal with. And more churches are facing, that is a changing church practice. Whereas before, an average, an average mem the, the, a member who would self-identify themselves as a faithful attender of church would miss maybe four times a year. All right, so you're looking at 48 weeks they're there. That is the ones that would classify themselves as active. You know, let's give them a few more weeks off. So say 45 weeks and up. Now, a person that comes twice a month, twice a month, 24 times a year, yeah. you talk to that person and say, how would you classify yourself? A nominal attender, you know, a non-attender, a nominal attender. Yeah. I come whenever the wind blows right, uh, you know, not too hot, not too cold, or, you know, or, or do you consider yourself a faithful attender? They will put a faithful attender, track their attendance, they come once or twice a month. That's now, they're not, they're, they're not just sleeping in. It's like, oh, we have a grandbaby over in Arkansas. There you go. So we're going over to, or it's hunting season, right. and I I rent some property, yes. you know, 100 miles away, and so that weekend I'm going over staying at the hunting shack, and we're hunting all weekend, or fishing, or or whatever, and so they're always, not just always putting something before. There's always yeah. something before church. So again, let's go back. The title of the conference is building a team of leaders. What that means, because. I, I still work with ministers of education because that's how I still think. It's a minister of education. Here's the, the big topic of ministers of education. How do you staff preschool and children where consistency of the leadership is so important and you know to where you need somebody that those children recognize and know they know the kids, they know the parents, they know you know, when a child is a little bit off, meaning, you know, they're not feeling well or, 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 or they're, they're feeling lonely. I mean, they just know the child and they can, can pick up on the child's demeanor coming in the door. Yeah. And know, okay, I need, to, I need to get this child immediately with some other kids because she's acting lonely today or whatever. When you're just in that, when you're just the quote-unquote substitute, that don't, they don't. They don't know the children like that, and so 
And so what happens is people know, well, I'm only going twice a month, so I don't need to be teaching preschool. Yep. So they drop out. So now somebody's got to teach those preschoolers. Yep. Yep. So here's the question that we're talking about at the, even even at the big, you know, you're talking about our church of 40, you know, we, we run 45. Let me tell you, churches that run over 1,000 are having this discussion. What do we do? Because you think, oh, big church, there's a lot of people. Well, everything is proportionate. So add a zero. So a church running 450 instead of 45 is just 10 times more than where you are. A church running 1,000 is 20 times more. You know, they just need that many more, more, but everything is proportionate. And so, again, it goes back, we've got to build leaders recognizing that the church practice, now we can browbeat them all we want to. Shame on you. You need to be in church. Well, you know what? The grandbaby in Arkansas trumps my browbeating you. So, we have to deal with, you know, I had a custodian up, served a church in Mississippi. Had a custodian. And it was about this time of year, fall, the pre weekday preschool was about to kick in. And uh, he had been buffing these tile hallways in the classrooms and caught him one Friday afternoon, leaning up against the door frame with looking down a hallway and that afternoon sun was coming in and bouncing off the classroom floor and out into the hallway. And he had worked real hard to get us ready to launch, you know, it was like promotion Sunday and then the weekday preschool was gonna start. His name was JD. So I came up behind him, put my hand on, on his shoulder. I said, JD, I said, I'm looking at those floors with you, brother. I said, you have worked real hard getting our church ready and uh, good work. So I said, you, you've worked hard and it's showing. I appreciate you so much. He said, yeah, brother Allen, we'd have us a real good church here if it wasn't for all these kids. <laughs> Yes, out of the mouths of the church custodian. And so, you know, we have to deal with people. And we have to deal with where they are. And so, what we have to do is recognize what that means is we got to build up more leaders. Because we're going to have to use more. You know, one solution for preschool children is instead of having one team of workers, like if you need three workers, your church of 45, for a preschool room, you need a minimum of three people. Instead of enlisting three people, you enlist six. And then when this couple is going to be out and that couple is going to be out, you're bringing in others. And so there's six people that are in there pretty much constantly. So they know the children and know that. Well, this is something we're just now having a discussion on. And the preschool leadership are going, no, 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 that is bad, that is bad, that is bad. My response is, yes, that is bad, but tell me another solution. Because you're the ones that are, that are saying, you know, we still need 20 more workers and we've already started the new year. Enlistment is a year-round job. I have to tell that at my church to my staff. Um, hey guys, you don't wait till summer to enlist. You enlist year round. You are constantly enlisting 
constantly developing people, constantly training people, and constantly working them in. Now, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is what we can do at a class level. Because you've got a church level, we can talk about that if you want to, but I'm looking at what can we do at a class level. Because our class's organization is uniquely structured to provide the results we're getting. So, if there is a lack of ministry taking place, well, your organization is, is the one that is producing a lack of ministry. If you're not having outreach taking place, well, then your organization is the one that is leading to a lack of outreach. So, how do you organize to accomplish what you want to accomplish? So let's look at what the Bible has to say about a particular organization structure. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to show the passage. I'm going to pull it up. You can look at it in your Bible or you can look at it on the screen. This is from the Christian Standard Bible. I want you to look for characteristics of an adult class that you see in this passage characteristics of an adult class that you see in this passage. And once I we go through this, then let's call those out. So the Bible says, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what do we see in this passage that would be a characteristic of an adult Sunday school class? What do you see? Right, there's teaching, there's fellowship. Breaking of bread, okay? Prayer. Prayer. Uh, of the people being devoted to attend. Okay, they were devoted. They had a common interest. They had a common interest. Yeah. There were meeting needs as they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were meeting the needs of people. That's okay. a big one right there. Filled with awe. Everyone was. Everyone was filled with awe. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Think about a Sunday school class with everyone filled with awe. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. So there's your fellowship. Yes. There's your coffee and donuts. <laughs> They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's interesting, enjoying the favor of all the people. In the original language, what that means is literally 
everybody, which means believers and unbelievers. Yeah, fellowship, yes. Yes. And I was remembered back back in the spring when our church has adopted a couple of classroom a couple of schools. We've adopted a high school, a public high school, we adopted a elementary school. And part of of what we we did is during the time of the annual comprehensive testing, they call it TCAP there. Georgia probably has one, like all third second grade, fifth grade, certain ones go through it. It's that standardized testing where they fill in the little bubble thing. Well, you have to have an independent proctor in every classroom to basically make sure teachers aren't cheating and telling the kids what the answers are because teachers are graded and teachers are, you know, their annual, um, yeah, their annual raise that comes out of their annual um, review is based on how well they're testing it. So anyway, so you got these independent people. So our church provided those independent practice for an elementary school. And word got out to other schools and were calling our church to say, hey, can you send proctors to our school? Now, you hear it told you can't pray in public schools. Prayer in public schools is a no-no. But when I'm sitting in a fifth grade classroom and once I say, okay, kids, turn to page five, open up your books, ready, you have 45 minutes on this section, pencils up. They pick up their pencil and go, I've got 45 minutes. I thought I was going to read a book. No, 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 no reading a book. You have to watch the children the whole time. Great. What am I going to do? i got 45 minutes. This is just on one section. I'm going to be there till like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I start praying and everybody, the other people, do the same thing. We pray over every child. Now, if I were to just walk in, introduce myself to the principal, and say, would you mind if I just kind of quietly stood in the back of the room and just prayed over the kids? Oh, that ain't going to happen. Not in a million years do they allow that. But they were begging in a Macedonian call, can you send proctors to our school so they can sit there and pray over the kids every day, all day long. And where, where, are you, where are you at? I'm in Wilson County, Tennessee. Tennessee. You know outside what? of I mean, Nashville. And, and, and Eastman? We can pray for them all day long in class. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, and I, 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 I feel for you, but, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But that's the luxury that we have down there is but they'll allow us, because I, I, I substitute teach in the schools. Yes. I this literally I- preach messages to classes. And I mean, you know, and if they have any type of God associated in anything they say, well, they're going to hear about Jesus. And I just, I, the deal is, is if you kick me out, oh well. But guess what? I'm going to take a stand. You're going to hear about God. Right. And, and, and that's where, uh, that's what's good about Dodge County Schools. You know, and that not is everywhere great. they're like that. No. Because this, um, this happens to be Davidson County, this elementary uh, school, which is Nashville Metro. Yeah. So you're dealing with yeah. Nashville Metro. 
the county I live in, Wilson County, is a little better, but um, but the bottom line is our church had received favor in the school systems because during teacher in service days we provide lunch for the teachers because instead of teachers having to spend two or three hundred dollars out of their own pocket to provide school supplies for children whose parents send them to school with no school supplies we took up and provided backpacks and provided school supplies yep. that we just gave to the teachers and say hey if a child shows up doesn't have a backpack here's some backpacks brand spanking new yep. hey if they need supplies we took the list that we got at Walmart for that school for that grade and so when you do that to a school the school appreciates your church even in Metro Nashville so so it's it is possible for your class to make a difference because again it's not the church it's working it through the Sunday school classes so but one thing we see in this passage is it's an open group an open group expects new people to attend every week and so how do we build a team of leaders some of it is just recognizing what is the function of our class why does our class exist well the functions if the purpose is to achieve the purpose of the church in my case is to, to lead people to experience life change through Jesus Christ well the functions on how we function as a class is to reach teach minister and fellowship doesn't that pretty much sum up everything that a class is responsible for for reaching so with reaching our goal is to bring people into the kingdom to reach people for Bible study who are not part of an ongoing Bible teaching ministry to teach them the Bible to get them into the Word of God to get the Word of God into them to minister so that any ministry that takes place happens through the class so last week when a, um, a member of our Sunday school class his father passed away it was our Sunday school class that provided meals that provided meals after the funeral provided meals during the visitation that was there to help um, you know a couple of the, of, the, of the ladies were at the house so that the members themselves the couple wouldn't have to you know refresh the drinks and all that I mean we our class just springs into action that comes under our ministry part. I mean, so it wasn't a church level, it was a class level. And then to fellowship, to build community through fellowships, intentionally through these fellowships. So these are the functions. So the purpose is whatever the purpose of the church is. The functions is to reach, teach, minister, and fellowship. So where your purpose of your church may be made worded different, it's basically all going to go back to Great Commission work. You may phrase it differently, but the mission statement to, to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ means just that. We want to see heaven enlarged. We want to see people come into the kingdom of God. And that's experiencing life change and then grow and mature. So it's seeing them come to Christ and then disciple them. That's the life change through Jesus Christ. But these are the functions on how we accomplish that.
but it also comes in to whatever the needs of the issues and the concerns are of our class. And those are going to vary how we do the reach, teach, minister, and fellowship. So how we reach, teach, minister, and fellowship is tied in to the needs, issues, and concerns of the adults of our class. Let me give you an example. Back when my daddy was teaching a Sunday school class, he was teaching a class, he was asked to start a Sunday school class for older adults that were attending worship but were not attending a Sunday school class. And so he literally, I mean, so it's what we called in, as ministers of education, we call that a paper class. All right, so he's, he's got a classroom and right now on the roll is he and my mother. And he's in his upper 70s. So it's like basically I, I would say 70 and up, but it's older adults who, are, who attend worship but do not attend a Sunday school class. <clears throat> he would literally, as people would come into the worship center, he'd go, oh, Mickey, how you doing? And we're well, doing fine, Marshall, how you doing? Well, great, great. Now, help me, Mickey, what, what class are y'all in? And if you say, well, I'm in so-and-so's class, then he basically knew, okay, you're on the roll, you just came from Sunday school. He would also be looking... Do you have a member book? You know, most of the older adults, they carry their personal study guide with their Bible. And so he'd kind of be looking for that. And so he'd have a little conversation with you, but basically he was trying to determine if y'all were prospects for his class or not. All right, let's say you came in, because it's an older person. You come in the room. Well, how you doing? Doing great, Marshall. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Hey, I'm starting a new Sunday school class. Um, are what what class are y'all in? And if you say, well, we used to attend, or well, we're supposed to be in, then he knows that is a live prospect. And he would say, okay, well, look, said I'm starting this new class for people like me and you, and we're gonna meet in this room. I'd love to have you in my class. Here's something that my daddy discovered that you've already discovered. If you start something new, some people who have dropped out will come back. I discovered that starting the Empty Nesters where people had dropped out after they didn't fit in the parents of college age adults. You start something new, they come back. There's just something new. Be on the ground floor. You don't have to feel embarrassed. You don't have to, you know, just you come on, we're on the ground floor. And so he started reaching, you know, people started coming. Well, after a few weeks, a member of his class passed away. And so he's, you know, hitting the hedges. He's inviting. He's calling. He's getting some people off. of the, He's having the church secretary look over the attendance rolls to see maybe it's some people that are on a roll but haven't been coming. He's calling them and saying, hey, I know you're supposed to be in so-and-so class, but... Um, you know, I'm starting this one and just wanted to see if you might be interested in getting in on the ground floor in this new class kicking off. So, anyway. So he's reaching one, two, three. Now they're on up to like five or six people. One man passes away a couple weeks after that. Another person passes away. A few weeks after that, another person. 
So word's getting out at their church. They're starting to call my daddy's class the terminal class. So, sort of like a joke, you know, the terminal class. Old people are dying to go to Marshall's class. You know, sort of making those sort of jokes. Well, he's okay. He understands. They're just joking around. So he calls me up. He said, oh, what am I supposed to do? i got more people leaving the class horizontal than are coming in the class vertical. And I said, well, let me, let me see what I can come up with. Let me kind of study this a little bit. So anyway, during that week, I read an article that talked about what are things that senior adults who live alone fear the most. Things that senior adults who live alone fear the most. And the number one issue that senior adults who live alone fear the most is that they would die and nobody would know it. They would die and nobody would know it. So I called up Daddy. I said, Daddy, I don't know. Let's talk about what to, what we need to do with this, but here's what I've discovered. I said, you're reaching, because of your demographic, you're reaching a number of widows and widowers. And here's what I've discovered. So I said, do you have care group leaders? He said, yeah, we're just starting out, but we've already got two care group leaders. Well, here's what you need to do. Your care group leaders need to call everybody every day. Call everybody every day. Now, I've, I've mentioned this story to other people. They're going, every day? I said, yeah. I said, here's the thing. You don't know how to talk on the phone. I said, now think about it. First of all, these are people like in their older 70s and early 80s. It's not like they got to get up and go to work. I said, second of all, if they call you when you answer the phone, the purpose of the call has been achieved. So no need to talk. Hey, hey, Mickey, Mickey, this is Alan. I'm just calling through. All right, you have a good day. Hang up. Call the next one. They're only calling four or five. They are literally... I was at Mom and Daddy's house, and the phone rang at about, I don't know, it was like 6.35 in the morning. When I heard that phone ring, I was still in the bed. I rolled over, looked, and I go... Okay, this ain't good. You know, any phone call at 6.35 in the morning is usually not good news. Well, Mom and Daddy were already on. That was their care group. He's the teacher. Care group leader calling him. Wow. Saying, hey, just calling. That was it. The whole conversation lasted 30 seconds, if that. And so, here's the thing. As I've gone in and talked to these people to learn from, from my own daddy's experiment, I said, uh, so how, how do you feel about making these calls every day? You, by the way, they do it seven days a week. They do it seven days a week. And now Sunday morning, sometimes they will wait and see who shows up. But if you don't show up at, at church, some of them are sitting right there in the classroom pulling out their little cell phone and calling you at church. Well, I saw you weren't in class. <laughs> okay. They're there. Um, 
And here was basically the answer I got. It gives me something to get up for. So, what started out as a ministry to other members of the class ended up being a ministry to the people making the calls. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. We think, well, I don't want to ask somebody to make phone calls seven days a week. Well, if that's the only thing you have to do ever, that's not too much. Where basically you're going to spend five or six minutes first thing in the day. When you get up out of bed, get your coffee pot going, and then sit right there and you call right them and you call them early before they get up and they go to the you know, go to the grocery store or whatever, you're pretty much going to count. And they even had a list. So what happens if I get this question? What happens if they don't answer the phone? They have like a, a grown child. They have somebody they call. There's a document that each member had filled out. Okay, you call my neighbor. If you don't get them, you call my adult son. Contact There's contact numbers. And so if I'm calling Al and Al don't answer the phone, I go to my little notebook or my little file folder and I open it up and I'm pulling, okay, who am I supposed to call? I'm supposed to call this person. You know, I tell them who I am, I call Al, Al doesn't answer the phone. Can you check on him sometime and get back to me? I need to know something. And usually, you know, that because they're expecting them, what they'll, they'll do is the member, Mickey might call, call me if I'm the care group leader, Hey, Alan, I just want you to know we're going to go see our, our, our son and daughter-in-law and the grandkids, so we're going to be out from this day to this day. So they know, okay, don't call them during then. You know, so anyway, all that is to say, my class does not need care group leaders calling every day. That is a part of developing leaders that my daddy needed for the needs, issues, concerns that his class faced, that mine doesn't. So when we talk about a class organization, we talk about structure, when we talk about developing leaders, you develop the leaders to fit the organization that your class needs in order to accomplish the functions of reaching, teaching, ministering, and fellowship. And so what you're going to do in your class is going to be different from my class. This is my class. You're going to go, well, Alan, we don't need a missions leader. Well, because we got a real strong WMU and we got these, then fine, I'll talk about that in a minute. Well, fine, then take it off. This isn't a everybody ought to have one one like this or else you're not a good Sunday school class. You develop your organization based upon the needs, issues, concerns of your particular class. So that's why you have to ask your class the questions. What environment meets the needs of my people? That goes to how you teach. What class organization is needed to meet the needs of the members of my class? And so, um, different different classes, a young adult class, is going to function differently in how they reach, teach, minister, and fellowship than an older class. And so, you know, how we do fellowships and empty nesters is radically different than how you do fellowships with young adults or senior adults. My mother's senior adult Sunday school class, you know when they have fellowships? They have fellowships between 2 and 5 o'clock in the, like on a Tuesday afternoon. 
they'll like go do some craft thing or they'll you know go to the Cumberland Playhouse I mean they do different things once so they call it a class meeting I find that interesting they call it a class meeting and they go off and they do something but anyway but that's different I mean that's like an 80 year old lady Sunday school class so you can't just say everybody does it the same way everybody is doing different so Let's look at it this way. What was Moses' greatest accomplishment? If I were to ask you, what was Moses' greatest accomplishment? How would you answer that question? The ability to lead a million folks. Yeah, how to, the ability to lead a million folks. That would be pretty high up on the list. And he did it by delegating out. Yep. Yeah, once Jethro got a hold of him, once his father got I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the greatest accomplishment was his development of Mo of um, Joshua. If Moses had never developed Joshua, the people would not have been able to enter the promised land. Moses is not going into the promised land. And so without Joshua, all that could not have happened. And so as great as leading a bunch of ungrateful, a million ungrateful people were, what, you drag us out here to, to starve to death, to die? Let us go back and be enslaved in Egypt. At least there we had something to eat. I mean, just on and on and on. No, it was his development of Joshua. And so, let's look at these movies. The movie Rocky. So look at, look at the images from these movies. Here's from the movie Rocky. Here's from the movie Creed. Here's from Star Trek. Star Wars. Men in Black, Men in Black. So what do those movies have in common? They had a mentor. They had a mentor. So if you look here, you've got the coach mentoring Rocky. Then later, you see Rocky is mentoring this other boxer this younger boxer. So now he's taken the skill set and the knowledge that somebody had poured into him and he's taken it to the next generation. Yeah. Now let's look at this one, Star Trek. What do you see here? Which by the way, let's remember, this is Captain Kirk. This is the young Captain Kirk. And so what you see is here is the experienced leader, but notice where Kirk is. He is right behind him watching what he is doing. This is going to be important. He's watching what he's doing, and he is showing him this is how you go about it. Let's look at the next one. With Star Wars, we see Obi-Wan and Luke the older and the younger. And of course, if you've seen any of the later editions, you will see the grown, mature Luke training a young lady. 
And so we see that one. Now men in black, you've got K and J. Now watch. The neural, have y'all seen men in black? There's a neuralizer that basically has you forget what you just saw. And so in this one, you have the experienced person. Here's the mentor. Here's the mentor. Here's the one who's being trained. Now, you see the person being trained is doing the work, but the mentor is still there. He is still there, still engaged, but he's letting him do the work, but he's there making sure it's done right and letting him know, I'm here to support you. If you get into it, into something that you're not comfortable with, don't quite know how to address it, I'm here to help. So it isn't just like, okay, you got the ball, I'm out of here. You stay with them. And so the important thing of this is that every leader needs to enlist an apprentice. Every class needs to lead the apprentice. When I talk about that I went from leading a 30-something class to leading parents of children, parents of teenagers, parents of college-age adults, I became five, parent, five parents of college-age adults, to empty nesters. In every case, it's required me to spend a year or more training an apprentice to leave the class with them so I could go and move to the next, to start the next group. One reason it took me so long to start the empty nesters is the leader that I had prepared a year ago to take the parents of college-age adults so I could start empty nesters in fall of 2018, he came up literally, literally the month before, like the 1st of August, actually 1st of July, came up and said, I know you wanted me to take this, our class, so you could go start another one, but I'm really feeling led to start a young adult class. Well, you can't bust his chops for that. So it's like, well, okay. So I had to fast track another apprentice to take the parents of college age adults to start the other one. But it requires having and enlisting an apprentice. Somebody. Here's the thing we need to, to get into the mindset of our leaders. As a, as a teacher, I need to be graded not on how big my class gets, but by how small my class gets. What I mean by that is I need to be maturing the members of my class so that they go out to teach somewhere else. I don't need to collect members like they're bobbleheads and I'm, you know, seeing how many bobbleheads I can collect. You know, how many people can I get into my classroom? No, I need to be maturing people developing people and sending out people. So I tell, I tell the members of my class, some of you are sitting here, I hope aren't sitting here a year from now. If you are still sitting in my class a year from now, I have failed you as a teacher. Sunday school teachers seldom tell their members that. It's like, don't leave. At our church we had another teacher told our minister of education. Andy's his name. Said, Andy, Quit coming to my class and getting people out of my class to go teach somewhere else. 
you've gotten enough people out of my class, just leave my class alone. That is a wrong attitude. First of all, it's not my class. It's not my class. I don't like having my name on the door. That's why it's not Alan Ralton's class. When the class says, hey, can we do this? I say, I don't know. What do you think? Can we? It's up to you. It's up to the class to decide. Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Whatever the class wants to do. I'm just a member of the class. My role is as teacher, but I'm no more important than any of these. Because we reach, teach, minister, and fellowship. It's all one group. My role is to be ready to teach Sunday morning. They're ready to give leadership to the group, not to, not to decide what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, that sort of thing. So every leader enlists. Now go back and think about some of those images that we saw from the movie. We don't need to train people to do what we do. We need to train people to think like we think. And when I'm talking about an apprentice, I, I hear this, Alan, I can't get anybody in my class to be an apprentice. How do you, I, well, that's well, fine and good. You're in a big church. Well, I just started a class with eight people. You know, that's how big it is. Now, it's grown a little bit more since Easter, but we started out with a small group. So, I have never in 20 some odd years of enlisting apprentices, I have never had a single person when I went to like Steve, like right now I've got David and I got Mike. I got two apprentices. Their response when I talked to them back a few months ago was identical to the response that I've gotten for 20 years. So I'll talk to David. I'll say, David, I said, I think you're ready to move to the next level. I appreciate your faithfulness. You know, the comments that you make in class shows insight. Uh, whenever we break up into small groups and I have a group over here and a group over here, you seem to be a natural leader that you don't mind stepping up and sort of guiding the discussion there. I think you're ready for the next level. I would love for you to be my apprentice and work with me over a year so that we can develop you holistically into a teacher to either take this class or to go teach somewhere else. I've never, when I've had that conversation from David on down, the scores of people, one year by the way I had 17 people leave my class to go teach in other places in the church. Because there's only one place for teachers to come out. They either got to come out of my class or your class. So that's why I said I hope you're not sitting on your blessed assurance. I hope you go out and serve, do something. So, people say, well, I, I can't get anybody to, to, to volunteer. I can't. I ask them and they don't want to do it. Well, welcome to the club. I've never had anybody want to do it, nobody volunteer. I would have that conversation with them. You know the response I would get? To a T, every person I've ever asked, the year before it was Steve, before that it was Julie, before that it was Randy, Every person gives me the same answer and it's the answer that I dread above every other answer. And that is, the, that, that is this. This is the answer I get. Let me pray about it. Yeah. Now, what they're saying in the original language is there is no way I'm going to do this. 
ain't no way Jose. So here's what I say. So here's what I say. It's actually funny. I talked to David. I know where David sits. Everybody sits in the same pew every week, right? You know where everybody sits in the sanctuary. Well, after I had that conversation with him, that Sunday, he and Karen, I look over. They're coming into Sunday school late after we already start. And then they leave early. And then as well, I'll see them in sanctuary. Get in the sanctuary, they're not sitting in their place. Well, during that, that I call it the shake and howdy doody time. Y'all have that, you know, greet by people around. I'll look around, they'll be up there in the balcony. I'm thinking, what are they doing up there? They're dodging me is what they're doing up there. They'll go like two weeks. I'll call him, no answer. Go to voicemail. I'll send him a text, no answer. Send him an email, nothing. He's gone dark. Finally, after about two, two and a half weeks, I finally corner him. Hey, David, want to follow up with you? I still believe that you're ready to go. You, you know, you're ready to get with me. I got a leader guide right here. We can start right now. I can show you. I think. And here's the answer. Same answer as everybody else. Well, Alan, I uh, just want you to know how much I really appreciate your comments, and you know, just. That, that you would ask me to be your apprentice, I, I just want you to know that has just that just really ministered to my heart. And I'm just, you know, I'm just honored that you would think that I would be a good apprentice. But, Alan, I just don't, I, 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 that, I, that's just not for me. I'll say, okay, David, I understand that. But I'll tell you what, I still think you're ready to go to the next level. Would you, here's a leader guide. Let me show you how it works. Would you just work with me from now till Christmas. From now till Christmas. So he's doing the math, okay? It's already basically September, October, then it'd be Thanksgiving, then it'd be Christmas. So I mean, at Christmas to be here, look at his split. So he'll go, uh, well, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll see, what, I'll, okay, till Christmas, till, till Christmas. So I'll give him the leader guy, so I'll say, Here's all you have to do. I just want you to follow along. When I start teaching, you open up. Now, here's the lead, here's the teaching plan. I'm not going to teach this other parts, the commentary. You can read that during the week. But on Sunday morning, you see these pages here where it says session, during the session? That's what I'm going to be doing. So you start following along. All of a sudden, they discover all of that biblical background information that they thought I was just a sheer biblical genius. You can see their eyes get real big and they go, they turn to their wife and they go, he's getting it out of here. Those questions. When I say, y'all get into groups of three or four, turn to page 67, here's a question. It's right there and it says, ask the class this question. I just twisted it a little bit Instead of just asking everybody, I said, y'all just huddle your chairs up and I want y'all to look at the question. And it said right there in parentheses, PSG 67. It told you what page that question is on. So I would say, turn in your books to page 67. Y'all huddle up. you got two minutes. I want y'all to talk about that question. His eyes are getting real big. And he's finding out it, it's as if the curtain has been pulled on the Wizard of Oz. And he's just this little portly man standing there throwing a bunch of switches. And they find out, wow, it's all right there. 
You know, I had that conversation several months ago with David and with Mike. They're still teaching. As a matter of fact, Mike is teaching this Sunday after tomorrow. But just as you saw here, this is now Mike. That's me. So he's not a substitute. I'm going to get in Sunday night. It'll be about 11 p.m. when I get home after teaching here and then getting back to Nashville. It's going to be about 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to be pretty whipped Sunday morning, but I will be up. I will be ready to go, and I'll be sitting there. I won't be up next to him, but I will be sitting there. I have prepared to teach, and so if he hits a spot where he's unsure what to do next, I can sort of pipe up. Or somebody asks a question, and he's not sure how do I answer that question, I'll be ready to go. Because I'm training him over a period. This is not a four-week class how to be an adult teacher. This is a as as we go through life. So we go we go to hospitals. How do you make a hospital visit? Most people know how to visit a relative. They don't know how to visit a church member and stuff. So so what I'm doing is I do it, and you follow along in the teacher book. Then, with David and Mike, with two of them, I'll say, okay, I want y'all to get into two different teams. I want this group to look at these passages, and by the way, this is out of the teacher book. And David, I want you to lead this group over here. Mike, I want you to get over, and I want you to lead that group there. So, they start off with, I do it, and they're just following along in the teacher book. Then, I do it, and you help. So now I'm having them facilitate some of the small group discussion in the class. What's going to happen on Sunday is Mike's going to do it and I'm going to watch. With the goal of every time I turn somebody loose, whether I leave and leave them with the class or they leave and go teach, my challenge to them is that they would do, would take the process that I use with them and they would repeat it with somebody else. Because it does not need to end with me. It needs to permeate through the whole church. So that when Julie left and started a young adult class, that she is taking, in this case, Nick Curry, she took and trained Nick Curry. Nick has then left and he has formed another class. So now what I did with Julie, then she did with Nick, and then Nick has gone out and Julie has someone else. Now Nick's challenge is to get somebody and for him to train. And I'm just a layperson. Now you extrapolate what I'm talking about doing and having other teachers in the church do the same thing. Now you're training and you're developing leaders. But again, it's not a course. So how do we develop the apprentice? We've got to identify the right leader. So I'm not filling a slot. I'm looking for a person. So the first question is, do I want a person with the gift of teaching or a person who has the gift of shepherding? 
I'm going to give you an answer that is based upon my experience. My personal experience is that I want a person with the gift of shepherding, not the gift of teaching. My experience as a minister of education, whenever I had a person come up to me and say, Alan, I have the gift of teaching. I'd like to teach an adult Sunday school class. You know what they, they wanted? They wanted a group of people to lecture to. Yeah. They weren't interested in ministry. They weren't interested in outreach. All they wanted to do is to study and sit there and give a bunch of Greek verb tenses. I want a person who has a heart for moving people in the direction that God wants them to go spiritually. A person that will invest themselves in the lives of other people. What I believe is they use one of LifeWay's leader guides. They will teach a pretty good Sunday school lesson by simply doing what the book says to do. Just do what it says in any age group. So I've got to identify the right leader. Second of all, I'm going to start small. I'm going to start small, and that is just follow along in the book. And I will do that for two or three months. Just follow along in the book. From there, have them start facilitating, you know, breaking up the class and leading the discussion of a question in, a, in the book. Then have them teach, and then I follow them. So I start small, then I'm asking them to teach a lesson. So in this case, Mike and David are just now starting to teach. They have been apprentices, goodness, since um, for now a year. So they came on when I was starting to fast track. So ask them to teach a lesson. And I'm looking at developing the whole teacher. How to en enlist a person for these leadership. We had to deal with, uh, with them. We had a care group leader that didn't care. So how do you deal with a person who's volunteered to be a team leader and they're not doing it, they're not doing anything. They've got to where they only come sporadically. It's part of that coming except they may only come once a month they're not keeping up with people you know so how do you encourage somebody wow that was close you know how do you encourage somebody and so we're developing the whole teacher with that so let's look at at this so if you were to look at this image and I say this is my class if I were to tell you that the size of the circles is indicative of the importance of that team, what does that say about the teaching team? The size of the circle indicates the importance of that group to the class. What does that tell you about the teaching team? Just as important as everything else. Right. It's just as important as everything else. So when we talk about the functions, reach, teach, minister, fellowship. Teach is one. It's not teach, reach, minister, fellowship. It's all the same. 
So who's on the teaching team? I'm on the teaching team. I have a substitute teacher. There's a difference in a substitute teacher and an apprentice. The substitute teacher is not going to be a, a full-time teacher, but they will fill in when I'm gone. I intentionally don't want the apprentices to think they are just a substitute teacher. Now they're getting to the point to where they can fill in and be that substitute, but I try to be there, be present. They're now at the stage where they're teaching about every six weeks. So between the two of them, about every five or six weeks, one of them will teach, and then about five or six weeks later, the other one will teach. So I'm rotating them, you know, into the system. But you will see on the job descriptions, teacher, apprentice, the class administrator, and then with the outreach, secretary, care groups, um, prayer leader, fellowship, class greeter, host, hostess, and mission leader. So the class secretary comes under the administrator. The administrator basically makes sure that all of the teams are functioning. So in this case, this is a person that doesn't want to teach, but they have some good administrative skills. And so they will make sure, in this case, it's a lady named Amy, and she will make sure everything is functioning and everybody, all of the teams are doing what they need to do. And uh, so I can concentrate on teaching, being ready to go as a teacher and working with these other two. And so, um, but what we are seeing, you say, well, what is the missions team? We would do a mission project about every month to six weeks. So for example, uh, collecting the school supplies was a mission project we did. We've done a Habitat for Humanity house build as a mission, um, as a mission project. In that particular case, we, it was easy to invite other unchurched people to participate because they've heard of Habitat for Humanity and they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll come to that. My neighbors I've been talking to, invited them to church for 10 years. They both, uh, Mark and Jennifer, came and participated in that house build. And from there, it was a more natural progression. They came to class once or, once or twice, came to know Christ, and um, you know now are active members of the group. It was through a mission project of the Sunday school class that first got them involved. It wasn't getting them into worship. It wasn't getting them into Sunday school. But we would have people go, y'all all seem to know each other. And y'all are having fun. What, where, where are y'all from? I said, well, we're all in a Bible study group together. Oh, wow. Well, do y'all ever get together at other times? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, we're going to be together tomorrow morning. So... Um, but we'll do different mission projects during the year and the missions team will come up with these different things and um, I mean we've collected flip-flops for Haiti not quite sure what that was about but they did and I just my wife and I just bring flip-flops um, but they'll work with different 
uh, you know, different mission projects with that. Okay, any questions that you have on developing leaders? You mentioned a while ago, what do you do for one who is not not producing or not doesn't really, really Yeah, what do you do with a care group leader that doesn't care? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a conversation. I I'm one, I did a one on one mm -hmm. conversation with them and just asked them it was more along the lines of, you know, hey, what's going on? Meaning, what's going on in life? How's, you know, how are things with the family and stuff? And they called off all these different things that were going on and said, I said, well, okay. I said, let me help you. I said, I know you're one of our care group leaders and all. Then they, so I'm like, yeah, and I know we haven't, haven't been doing it. And I said, well, hey, I said, this is a time when we need to minister to you. So let me take that off of you. You just don't worry about that. And so it was a redemptive thing. I'd rather not have anybody in that role than have a name associated with a with a role and the, the work not getting done. And so, but I approached it as, let me serve you, let me minister to you, and just take this office. You don't need to worry about this anymore. You need to worry about these things. You know, you got these issues, you got these things going on, you know, with work and family and, and stuff. So you just concentrate on those. Just know that we're here. We love you. You know, we're so glad you're part of our group. Let us love on you and let us encourage you. That's one thing about being in our group where we can pray for you, where we can support you when you're going through life issues. So it was a redemptive process. But now we can go back and now we can find a care group leader who will actually do the work of keeping up with these other people without it being a, you know, you're not doing it, so I'm jerking it away from you. So, you know, we do that with, with other roles. And what I tell people, I visit with, when I visit with potential members, what I call not yet members of the class, I'll try to like get to the kitchen table and I will actually draw circles. I'll just sit there and we'll be talking about the class and uh, maybe these people have just come to worship. They haven't even been to a Sunday school class. I said, well, let me just tell you, if you choose to, to if y'all choose to be a part of our class and we'd love to have you, you're right there in the empty nester category. Um, let me just show you how we function. I just sit there and get a napkin and literally draw on a napkin at the kitchen table and draw this. You know, we have a class administrator. This is Amy. And then we have different teams and everybody's on a team. And I draw these circles. And we have the teaching team and the outreach team and I just go around like that. I, think. I said, here's the neat thing. You get to pick any team you want to be on. And if you don't like the team that you're on, you're not locked in. At any time, you can say, I don't want to be on that team anymore. And you're off. All you got to do is just tell me or Amy, I don't want to be on that team anymore. And you tell us what team you want to be on. All right. What did you just hear me tell them? Okay. Personal Go choice. bigger. Huh? Personal, Personal choice. choice. You're not locked in. You can change. But what else did you hear? Go up higher. You're going to serve. 
I started off with, here is how we're organized on these things. And the neat thing is you can pick which one you want to be on. You see, people want to belong. People want to be plugged in. And so if I can plug them in, what I believe is that gets them stronger and more heart deep to the church by getting them involved. That's why I call it a team. So that everybody on the roll is on. Now, you're, you're, I know, let me go and answer the question. So you're here to tell me that every member on your class roll is actively functioning on one of these. The answer is no. No. I actually have some people who self-select never to attend. You know what I just said. They self-select never to attend. And so they, you can have them plugged in on a team all day long. They're not coming. They don't do anything. But by having multiple people, if one starts going off, one starts basically there are other people to sort of pick up the slack. And so you're not dependent upon one person. So when, when we had... Um, when Dwayne's father passed away, Dwayne and Jewel, and that care group leader was out, you know, was out of town, and this is on a Saturday, and we need to get this stuff organized because the funeral is Monday, and he dies on Saturday. We don't have a long, a long time to, you know, something's got to get, somebody's got to get on this right away. There were other members on the care group. Who else is on that, that care group? Because that was the first thing is my wife says, well, you know, the Pittmans are out. Well, fine. Who else? You know, who else can we get plugged in? The Pittmans are out. We got we to gotta get on this. And she says, you know, well, the Loftuses are on that group. Fine. Let's get a hold of the Loftuses. So by Saturday, she was already working to get her whole, get the other care group members and then the other church other class members could participate but uh, somebody's got to be in charge so that's why I use a team concept so you got a backup I don't say we need a, a leader an associate and a third you know I just say be on a team and that way you can go to whoever and you don't have to work through a hierarchy you've got a team leader but after that it's whoever's on deck you know you press them into service and stuff. So, uh, in a former life, I also found the more opportunities you give people to volunteer, the more volunteers you get. By giving them multiple opportunities, their skill, passion, abilities, strengths yeah. come to apply there. Yes, and when I when I was starting the empty nesters and had some people coming over from the parents, I said now. You're on the outreach team here. Do you want to be on the outreach team with empty nesters or do you want to go to some something else? Some of them stayed and some of them went to a different area. Or I talked to some of them and said, I, I really need you to head up the fellowship team. And they said, okay, I can, you know, I can do that because they know how we operate. And so, um, but yes, what you want is multiple opportunities but if, if somebody doesn't want to serve here, they can serve here with that. Okay. 
Yes, Lord, the hour has come, and it is time for this session to end.